You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. Following the global financial crisis, it was expected that countries would tighten their purse strings, including within the welfare state. But is this austerity making patients sicker? Researchers led by Emeritus Professor Eileen Willis from Flinders University unpacked this question in a paper published in the Journal of Advanced Nursing by exploring the link between austerity and missed nursing care. Eileen joins me now. Welcome. Thanks very much, Dallas. So, so when we say austerity, what are we talking about and, and how does it play into to current health expenditure in Australia? Well, the term austerity is being used a lot in the European and UK literature um, as, uh, I guess you'd say, political economists are reflecting on the impact of cuts to the welfare state on the capacity of those services, uh, those government departments to provide services to the public and also the capacity of people um, who now may be working part-time or have wages that are deflated uh, to survive and buy things. So it's it's arguing in a sense that there's a kind of what I would call a puritanical austere approach to um, political and civil life. To evaluate the, the impact of budget cuts on miscare, the, the research team drew on its own data from a survey of over 7,000 registered nurses and midwives. What were some of the, the key areas of missed care and, and reasons participants gave us to, to why care was missed? Right, so we did the survey in four states, uh, South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania. We used and adapted the uh, Kalish missed care survey Uh, which has been used in America and across Europe. And um, she has a number of items in the scale in which she asks nurses in the last shift or in the last shift for the last three weeks or whatever, uh, here's a list of tasks, have you missed them? Or here's a list of cares. So the major ones, I think, not only in our study, but in many of the works that you read by Kadish where the studies, the survey's been duplicated, the sorts of things that are missed are patient ambulation, mouth care, uh, responding to bells when patients wish to go to the toilet, uh, responding within um, immediately for patient medication, patient education, good discharge planning. These are the sorts of cares that are regularly missed. All 26 of the items that she lists are missed at some point, but these are the ones that tend to be at the top of the list in terms of why they're missed, uh, that are missed. Um, Why they're missed is um, when Kadish has asked nurses and when we ask nurses why were these missed, the sorts of things come up with there weren't the resources on my ward and I had to go somewhere else to get them. So, for example, you know, a patient is going to be discharged and their drugs haven't come up from the pharmacy and you have to go down and get them. Or we didn't have enough staff. Now, the staffing one's quite interesting. Um, When you ask nurses if there's enough staff on the ward now, 
they would probably say, oh, yes. But the minute there's some sort of disruption, so if there's a patient admitted or if there's no there's a particular equipment that's missing and you have to go somewhere and find it, or if there's a kind of an acute event and you've got to attend to a patient that's very, very sick, then all of a sudden there isn't enough staff. So it's as though both public and private hospitals are being staffed at, at that tipping point. And the minute something happens, um, the work becomes so intensified that the nurse then begins to have to um, make decisions about what care uh, will be missed. And I think that's an important point to make, that nurses have always prioritised care. They've always made decisions about what order um, the care will be done in the interests of, of the patient. Um, but what I think nurses are saying now is, I'm prioritising the care, um, but I'm actually having to miss some of them or delay them or leave them to the next shift. Um, but if you're leaving them to the next shift and that their work is just as intensified, then it's possible that certain care is not done at all. And so how does austerity tie into the findings of those surveys? Well, we argue that if, if you haven't got enough staff to do the things that need to be done, then clearly things uh, clearly the budget uh, hospital budget isn't adequate. You know, I think that what we've seen uh, we've used the framework of new public management in the paper. What we've argued is that since particularly in Australia and in New Zealand, since the late 1970s, um, we've had uh, what we would call new public management in the public system. So that new public management is a kind of neoliberal economic policy that says you could make the hospital system more productive and more efficient if internally you treated it as though it was a competitive private sector. So you get the sorts of things that we've seen here in Australia in the public sector where let's outsource the non-core services like meals and cleaning to a private company. And now more readily you get let's outsource pathology and radiology services um, and privatise them or make them into quasi-private companies um, because of the budget cuts. You also get sorts of things like um, under the Medicare agreement, um, you've got the NEAT program, which is the National Emergency Admission Targets. So public hospitals get incentive funding, um, which is taken from their core funding, if every patient who comes into their accident and emergency department is seen within four hours and is either discharged or admitted. Now, what we found in the interviews was that in order for a hospital to get their patients out of A&E and into the hospital if they needed to be admitted, you had general patients being admitted to midwifery wards because they needed a bed or general patients being admitted 
to beds along the corridor because the hospital needs the money. So there's a, a, a number of um, nurses who've published around this idea of it is the budget now that is being nursed rather than the patient. So the budget is so tight, that staffing is so tight, um, that in a sense there's, there's a sense of austerity around, around the staffing levels. I mean, there's a lot of controversy worldwide around what should be adequate staffing levels. But I think with the um, acuity of patients, the very short stay of patients, you've got this kind of churn of patients and the staffing level isn't adequate and the consequences of that are that nurses have to prioritise care and it's the nursing tasks that are the ones that are being delayed or missed. And how might austerity affect nursing moving forward in the long term? I think, I think we'll see a crunch in the next two years. The Independent Hospital Pricing Authority has just um, announced this year that as of um, June the 1st, uh, the uh, federal government under the Medicare agreements will not pay public hospitals for any sentinel events, you know, they're real sort of um, serious events that may happen to a patient. As of 2018 in June, no adverse events will be funded by the federal government. Now, the first year will be what they call a shadow year, and so it will be just a kind of recording of adverse events. Um, the funding won't be affected, but by 2019 it will be. So let's take the issue of um, patient mouth care. If you miss um, patient mouth care, continuously, um, you might see that as a um, kind of fairly mundane nursing uh, care task. Um, it's possible that that could, could be part of a what we call a kind of cascade of um, care tasks left undone that lead to the patient be get, getting um, hospital-acquired pneumonia. Now, if the patient gets hospital-acquired pneumonia, under the legislation for next year, um, the federal government will not fund public hospitals for that adverse event, for the entire episode of care. So for me, what, for me, what this really means is what we found, or well, they found it worldwide, really, in the missed care research, that nurses are prioritising the medically directed tasks um, and they're uh, delaying or missing the what we would call the nursing tasks, so ambulating the patient, mouth care, that sort of stuff. Now, the research also shows that those sorts of nursing tasks or cares are actually really very central to the therapeutic process. They are the things that stop an elderly patient from getting hospital-acquired pneumonia or a urinary tract infection. So I think that there are kind of two directions here. One is to say that the whole kind of critical surveillance that a nurse 
you know, really experienced nurse engages in, in caring for the patient post-surgery or in a medical ward, that the nursing component is really very, very important and we ought to take it seriously and staff um, appropriately. Or you could get a kind of more punitive approach in which um, those kind of tasks start to get ticked off and checked uh, by, you know, by nurse managers or something. And we've seen a little bit of this. There's been a, um, a kind of nursing initiative or a managerial initiative called Rounding, where nurses in particular hospitals will be asked uh, to um, check their patient every hour and check for you know the position they're in, do they need to go to the toilet, have they got their bell with them, and they have to tick that off every hour. Whether the patient needs to be seen or not at that particular point. Um, and that's a kind of managerial approach to making sure that nothing is missed. What I'd like to see is uh, a real kind of appreciation of the fact that nursing surveillance is an approach to nursing the patient in which you, you use your assessment and your critical skills to make sure that many of these um, particular nursing care activities have been done because the patient um, is at risk of, um, of not getting better or getting a hospital-acquired um, complication of some sort. So I've, I think it could go either way. I'm not optimistic. I think that um, unless there's a shift in our thinking around austerity and new public management, a realisation that you cannot squeeze the public sector anymore, then I think you will just get these kind of managerial punitive um, approaches. And how, what can nurses do to, to move that shift along or, or make it more likely? Um, well, I think nurses are doing a lot. Mm -hmm. a lot about it. There's certainly a lot of research. Um, we belong to a European consortium funded by, um, by COST, which is 27 nations in Europe uh, who are dedicated to doing research, exploring the research and lobbying government and policy makers around the implications of missed care. Um, and of course, well, this, the cost group is fairly new. It's only been formed in the last two years. In actual fact, nurses have been doing research in this area back into the 1970s and 80s. There's certainly been a lot of work done in America and in Europe around the impact of nurse staffing levels on, um, on mortality, patient mortality and morbidity. But what we say in the paper is that... Um, Given this whole move to austerity, which we think it's a kind of, it's a government, it's a political movement, um, we take, we draw on the work of um, a fellow called Colin Crouch, who's an English uh, sociologist, who argues that, um, that he's, he's got two arguments really. The first is he reminds us that the global financial crisis 
was not caused by an inflated welfare state. It wasn't caused by hospitals getting too much money or social services being too generous. It was actually caused by a, a, a crisis in the capitalist side of capitalism in the banking system. It, uh, it was unregulated and in the housing system in America. But that the solution that the major um, uh, global banks and nations have taken is to squeeze the welfare system. So right across Europe and Australia and New Zealand and in the States, it's the welfare state that is having all the funding cuts and all the austerity cuts. And so we get, we're arguing that even in Australia where the, we you know, sailed through the global financial crisis reasonably unscathed, um, this same kind of political ideology of austerity is, is there. Now, Crouch argues that the state, the political system, is, as it were, in bed with capitalism. Now, let me give you an example of that. If you think of any inquiry into health, the public health care system in Australia, it will invariably be done by a large capitalist accounting firm like Deloitte, Ernst & Young, KPMG. And you can expect that their solution will be that you further privatise parts of your healthcare system. So he's not optimistic about the state being able, uh, the political system, governments being able to deal with this. He suggests the solution is in what he calls civil society. And he gives examples of um, trade union movements, uh, professional associations um, and lobby groups uh, working towards some sort of protest against this sort of um, austerity, as it were. So it would, it, I mean, I can see some uh, collective action by unions um, and professional associations, and, and we do see that in Australia. Uh, you know, for example, the latest um, inquiry into the staffing, of, the Senate inquiry into the staffing of nursing homes, mm -hmm. residential aged care, the union movement had um, extensive evidence-based um, submissions to that. Now, you know, whether it um, results in any radical changes in funding and staffing levels is another, is another issue, but um, it is an example of um, civil society um, engaging in this issue. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for your time, Eileen. Good. Thank you very much, Stella.